Oh, hello there. Welcome to Poet Waffle, episode 17, with me, Daniel Cockrell, where I invite a poet into my shed for intimate chat. And during that chat, we explore the visceral space between fact and fiction, which I believe is more of a feeling where poets use their emotions to navigate the world and hopefully reveal certain truths that are neglected by those other fields and it gives me great pleasure to welcome into the Waffle Shed today. We have poet, playwright, author, memoirist, novelist, songwriter, activist. <laughs> the list goes on and on and on. Uh, it's the brilliant Selena Godden. Hello, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I'm good, I love this shed. I love being here. Thank you for inviting me. I know, it's a great place to write. And I think that's why I'm probably uh, at my most active I've ever been. Because I've, I've always written around the kitchen table. Mm. And then since having a proper writing space, it gives you that... Um, permission to go right I'm going to go and write something the activity is writing and, yeah. and nothing else yeah. yeah what do you do I go to my shed and write and then <clears throat> it makes it kind of official whereas if you're sitting around the, the kitchen table with your kids climbing over you and making and then, snacks and yeah. <clears throat> exactly and then the wife comes in from work and has done pr like real work <laughs> and says get you know where's the dinner and you're like ah, oh, I'm I'm working really, but the people don't accept it. They're like, "Well, where's the real money?" Yeah, <laughs> you're like, "I've written yeah. ten poems today." Yeah, and she's like, "Yeah, I've made <laughs> this amount of money." Yeah, it's 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 complicated. It is. So, why did you uh, choose this path then? Because it is complicated to I, explain to people what you do. I didn't choose this path. Yeah, this path chose me. No, I I don't think there's anything else I could do. Yeah. So I had to make sure that the thing I love doing was a thing that could pay the bills somehow. I don't know. I think I've always been a bit of a grifter. Like, I remember being a teenager and selling poems for cigarettes. Yeah. Like, when I was sort of 13, 14, around the back of the bike sheds kind of thing. So I thought, I think, um, yeah, I think I've always loved reading and writing and they've always been my favourite things. So then it was just a case of making that thing that I love be the thing... That, yeah. I, that I'm paid to do, I guess. Uh, why do you think you loved it? Was there something that ignited your enthusiasm for it when you were younger? Was there a book or a writer? Or did you just go, the play with the words was enough? You thought, I get that. Oh, I think it's lots of things. I think, yes, the playing with the words. And yes, loving the creativity and the inventiveness. And escapism. I, I had some quite rough traumatic things that happened to me as a kid yeah. so writing about them was a way of kind of you know that sort of cathartic and also I'm a massive I'm a massive chicken and so often writing was a way of writing down the things that I dare not say out loud oh right, right so right, it was yeah, often yeah. you know I'm quite it was a way of sort of venting my frustration or 
so you know I think what I'm trying to say is so much of my writing I think is is about communication and connection but it's also about miscommunication it's like letters yeah. you never posted letters you never sent deleted and nowadays deleted social media posts yeah you know I sort yeah. of I'll write a tweet and then I'll delete it and I won't post it or and I'll things, make it into a poem instead yeah things you wanted to say at that very moment but yeah. you couldn't say to the person face to face because you know that they would have taken it really badly so you can go away and then yeah I think send I think, them a letter yeah yeah I think things have really changed <clears throat> with the invention of the internet and social media in that sense yeah often I'll go to write a tweet and then I'll go, hang on a minute, that's a good first line yeah. for a poem. So I won't tweet it and yeah, I'll go yeah. offline and write it. And then yeah. that there. Yeah. Yeah. But then th- th- we come to that thing where, where so many of us are now writing in a state of reaction, reacting to terrible news or awful people or, you know, sad things or tragedies, um, as opposed to coming from a place of invention and and creativity. And I think that's that's because there's so many terrible terrible scary things mm. going on in the world right now so many of us are writing from a place of defense and a mm. place of reaction as opposed to a clean page of something we just want to say that you know or a place of sort of invention and, and, and creativity and so trying to find that that magic of writing something that comes from the heart instead of something yeah. that's in reaction to being angry yeah, yeah. constantly in this place of being defensive or angry but you're what you're really good at is you do <clears throat> both very very well so you do the secret stuff that you're writing for yourself in your bedroom somewhere and scribbling it down but you also do the anthems on stage for people to join in with so it you've got the anger bit where people go yeah that's and, and <laughs> it's, the, it's the rallying cry for people yeah. you've got that but then you've also got the other bit which is like oh that's going to be for a collection or that's going to be for something else so you don't really you, you know you just you you categor- you don't categorize you just go well I'm going to do that to- I've got I've got an anthem in me today I'm going to write this that's come to <laughs> I don't me. think and I then- ever go oh I know I've got but an I- anthem in it me feel- today it does feel like that that <laughs> something they come to you you know like the the ones I'm thinking of are you know my tits are more feminist than your tits or pessimism is for like all these things that are kind of people can rally can't be bothered yeah. and suddenly they're like oh yeah that's what we think as well but then you don't just do those. Um, foot stomping ones you do you know the more as you say the more creative or the the more um, you know the quieter ones or the ones sort of are, tender yeah you've pieces. got all of those things in there so th- that you don't dismiss them you don't get you don't you're not one you're not a one track yeah one oh, trick pony a one trick track pony is what <laughs> I was going to say but yeah if you know what I mean so yeah. that's what I always get from Thank you, and, you you know and so if someone's going to invite you onto the stage <clears throat> you know you know that people that book you know that they're going to be like, okay now we know selena can really handle this crowd that we're going to put them in front of but then you could get invited to somewhere else that's much quite and they'd be like oh the, the quality of the writing is it going to shine through as well so oh, thank you i like my gigs to feel like a roller coaster ride yeah i like my gigs to be you know a little um something old something new Something filthy, something blue, yeah. and it's like a little bit. So a little bit, make them cry a little bit, make yeah. them feel a bit, a bit kind of awkward, and then also make them feel jubilant, um, and inspired, and and courageous, and strong, and united. Yeah. But also, you know, a, a tear in there too, and yeah, and yeah. Uh, um, and a bit of a naughtiness. And yeah, I think it's. I like my gigs to be a real, a real sort of yeah washing machine of emotions, not, yeah, not yeah. just one 
one we will survive. No, I do. I like to, in whatever I read or look at, I want to be pulled mm. somewhere from oh my, some, somewhere terrible and traumatic to light and laughter. And if you can manage to do that in a film or a book or a poem, if that happens, you, that, I come away with like, oh my word, I was stretched mm. as a human when I was listening to that. Yeah. Um, I've never done the same set <clears throat> twice. I've often, I've often not done, the, I've never, there's some poems that literally only live for one gig and then I never perform them ever again. Mm. I've never done the same poem the same way twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In that sense, I sort of feel like I'm a bit like a jazz musician. Yeah, yeah. I've just finished reading um, Lady Sings the Blues, Billie Holiday's right. memoir. Amazing, yeah. And in that, she talks about how she never sings the same song the same, same way, way twice. Yeah. She says, if, if you're trying to copy something, so beautiful, she says, if you're trying to copy something, then you're you're not really feeling it. You're not doing it from a place yeah. of feeling. You're doing it from a place of mimicking. So you're acting, and if it's not coming from feeling, then it ain't nothing. Yeah, yeah. And she says you can't even mimic the younger you. You are you today. You yeah, are here yeah. now. Yeah. You can't even be you when you were twenty. You know when you're. You know you can't even be who you used to be. So never mind trying to be someone else. Yeah, yeah. You can't even be the young you twice. Yeah, yeah, exactly, there's something yeah. about it that just really struck yeah. a note with me because it was like I can't ever do. I mean. Sometimes when I do something, for example, Can't Be Bothered, that's a very old mm. poem now, mm. but even I can't do it the way mm. I used to do you it. You can't be bothered in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I yeah. can't do it the way I used yeah. to do it in the 90s, but however, the way I do it now, it kind yeah. of laughs at, yeah. you know, a little bit. And that I <clears> want yeah. love one, that's another one. That one's yeah. from my teenage years. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. in it, I step back and kind of take, take the piss a little bit yeah, out yeah, of my yeah, younger yeah. self who wrote it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's similar to, because I'm a big Willie Nelson fan, and... He says, he says the same things about when he sings a song. He doesn't sing it the same. He feels how he's going yeah. to... He, he doesn't know when he walks on stage how it's going to come out. Yeah. How, what he's going to play on the guitar. Because it's like, you know, he has to feel the song. Yeah. And, uh, I don't think the audience realise <clears throat> quite how much power they have as well. Yeah. I'm not talking about whether they like you or hate you. That's, mm. that, you can't control that. You can't, but you can be controlled by... What I'm trying to say is remarkable. How sometimes I'll do a poem like Soup. And I'll just nearly burst into tears. Yeah, yeah. Even though I've done that poem 100 yeah, times, yeah. I'll burst into tears because one woman or someone I don't know, a complete stranger, mm. at the very front of the audience is just looking at me mm. a certain way. Yeah, yeah. And I just pick up on it or I'll read something, say, from the from Shade, from The Good Immigrant. And I remember doing that once with a completely white audience. And then in the middle, there was one woman that looked like me, like looked kind of mixed. Mm. Um, and I just saw her face, me reading Shade from The Good Immigrant. And I just went, oh. And I just really fighting not to cry because mm. suddenly what I was writing, I could see what it, it meant felt, to her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You felt, yeah. yeah. Maybe it's what powerful. It, <clears throat> maybe what it felt like when you first wrote that thing. Yeah, I sort of returned then, to yeah, the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can. I always like it with an audience when you when I'm reading something and you can hear them listening. Suddenly, there's a different tone in the room. Yeah, and like it's gone from a bit, a little bit like natural, or you can hear them fidgeting, and all of a sudden. It's very quiet, and everyone's there with you, and you're like, "Oh, this is good. This is what I wrote this poem for." Yeah, you uh, remember why you wrote it in the first place? Yeah, where yeah. it came from—the fury, or the pain, or the beauty, or the anger—you know, the the original place. You go back to that room, that moment when you picked up the pen and wrote the first word. That's a remarkable thing. I don't think the audience realizes quite how um how much they give. Yeah. Um, to to the to the performance. I was um, thinking about this the other day. There's this one poem that I wrote that I thought was very, very serious and very, 
very important and serious in my bloated ego. And I stood on stage and started reading it and everyone started laughing. Yeah. And from then on, that particular poem, I'm not going to tell you which one it is, yeah. but that particular poem became a comedy poem. Yeah, 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 and yeah. it's only because of the way the audience shaped it, yeah, yeah. which then made me laugh and then I'm <coughs> laughing at them laughing and they're laughing at me laughing. And this poem, which I thought was really, <laughs> really saying something, yeah, yeah. sort of I realised how, how yeah, it became a comedy poem. So I think the audience, so thank you to them, really, for the listeners, you know. It's amazing, <clears throat> even just wh- whoever buys your book or comes to a show, it, it still does amaze me. Yeah. I'm a bit like, oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Really, like, it, with, without Are you sure someone, you've not got me mixed know, up with someone else? <laughs> but if, without someone picking up, it, does, it can just be one person. You could sell one book and one person reads your book. That's almost like, oh, that's kind of good enough. It's almost like, oh, wow, you know, that was what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Was write something and for someone to read it. Or when, you know... I'm I'm less of a you know, a stage performer. But if I'm <clears throat> writing something to be heard out loud, then um, you know when people are listening, you're like, well, this is kind of what I what I wrote it to do, mm. and everyone is joining in on that, and it's like, that's kind of a, yeah, that's still incredible feeling that um, you know that I, that don't really get used to. You yeah. never get used to the fact you never that, you know, I I will never not get nervous. I get so nervous. I get so frightened. Right, yeah. um, I still get really like my stomach's in knots and I don't drink I, I mean I, when I was younger in my 20s I used to drink before going on stage to to curb that but I don't you know I, I like to be in the same yeah, space yeah. as I imagine the audience are so yeah, second yeah. glass of wine kind of vibe that sort of buzz yeah, yeah. and then yeah but <laughs> trying to keep one yeah. it's always good to keep one step behind them yeah yeah because if you're too sober and they're all gone yeah, they'll be yeah. like what's this guy yeah yeah whereas yeah. if you're just one step behind them yeah. you're kind of you're still can have a conversation with them yeah. and uh, and be, you know, in their sort of... But then festivals, I mean, the rules yeah. go out the window. Getting yeah, on stage yeah. at kind of, you know, doing that late night sort of midnight slot and going on stage and everyone's mullered and mashed <laughs> up. I have so much fun with that. I really like those festival gigs. I love festivals. Do you? I do. I. Do you know what, though? I. If I now... I lo- I loved them when I was young, and I wanted to I wanted to sleep out on the you know and just not go to, no go to bed yeah. for those four days. But now I'm I feel old enough to be like oh, I I want to go to sleep, <laughs> <laughs> and and if you can't you know and oh, I've experienced see. them now with my kids, so it's almost a completely different vibe that yeah. I end up and I end up being in the the kids section, you know, <laughs> while with them going out helter skelter, and I'm like. Well, this is kind of nice as well, and they're they're getting something different from us. You start to see things through their eyes, and you, your your own. Oh, I'm, I want to go and get mashed up over here. Something yeah. goes out the window, and you're like, oh. Well, my my um, I must admit, I have also grown older, behind, <laughs> and um, and my my new thing is going to festivals with a caravan, and we've got yeah. a nineteen seventies sprite. It's tiny. It's like a round bubble, like little yellow that's nice, bubble, little round thing. And with, so that's with, with the um, 
with the vehicle attached, or yeah. you have to attach it to a car. You attach it... it to a car. Oh, okay, right. yeah, 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 yeah. So you attach it to the back of a car. It's like a it's perfect just for two people. Yeah, and um, yeah, but it's great. <clears throat> it means I could take all my kimonos, all my dressing up clothes. See, that's what I mean. All, you're, you know, even your experience. I mean, I used to go. I used yeah. to go to festivals with just a toothbrush and a fiver in my and then bra. find someone's tent <laughs> to sleep in. No, exactly. I just not sleep for four days. <laughs> what? I didn't sleep or eat till I was in my th- till thirty five is when I started oh, well, yeah. going to sleep and eating food. I think for like the first 35 years of my life, I was not having it. So Martin, who I, I made Bangs at the Gun with, his thing, what, his advice to me was, you know, uh, never never get married, never have kids and never go camping, which, you know, within <laughs> like, so, and then, so he never goes camping, but so when he has to do festivals, he always turns up in a Winnebago, doesn't he? Oh, like does a, he? A massive, he thinks he's on tour, so he goes, I don't care, I'm going, that's how he does it, because otherwise he has to stay in a hotel, because yeah. he refuses to sleep in a tent. Yeah. <laughs> and the caravans just revolutionised my festival experience. Yeah, yeah. I just love it. I still stay up all night and watch yeah. the sunrise. Sit around some fire with a bunch of randoms drinking cider. I yeah, love yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then sort of you know, and then just pootle off for a little sort of power nap before the next day's gigs. Yeah. But yeah, some of your, some of my favourite memories have definitely been at festivals where you discover a band. Yeah. For yourself, that you're sitting with you. Oh, and you're a bit worse for wear, and you're in that moment of so relaxed, and then you hear this sound coming from the stage you're like okay this is really great and then you can go and listen to it for the rest of your life after being in that in that space you mm. know I think yeah definitely had some very wonderful times at festivals but performing at festivals I, I, I'm not sure well, sometimes I'm right... it can be really hard work yeah yeah sometimes it can be really tough they give you some you know they give you some sort of really strange strange um slot and then or and you know and then you're like so oh my goodness some of this stuff's quite sweary and it's yeah. two in the afternoon i'll tell you where that's kids, happened yeah, yeah. a lot yeah. it's not going anymore but festival number six yeah and you'd be in the Is town it? square oh, yeah. you'd be yeah, in the yeah. town square going right oh, it's <laughs> there's all these like little kids like running around um i started my gig you know with you know just you know sort of trigger warning like some of this stuff's yeah, a bit yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's you know it's 12 you know it's like lunchtime gig and if you've got any children, please put gin in their ears. <laughs> I remember, I remember you being on stage at oh, a, a, fe- a festival called Meadowlands, which isn't going anymore. But we were the poetry comedy. Oh God, it would go. <laughs> no, but it was brilliant because you, you'd, um, you was very, very sweary because it was quite a long time ago, and there was lots of kids in the tent, and you said, um, "Well, I would, I prefer you learn it from me as a, you know, as a sensible, mature adult." Then from in the playground. So then you just <laughs> no. And then, if and then, you repeat it, <laughs> if you repeat it, it's poetry, and say that you got it from me, it's poetry. Yeah, and then so you just went. Up, you said, like, "This is what I'm doing." And then so all the kids were like, "Yes," and all the parents in the back. The whole front row was all kids. Yeah. I remember that. And kid. you went, "I'm not going to stop doing this, you know, c yeah. word poem." Yeah. And well, I did change the c <clears throat> word to cake. Did you? I did it once at one gig in Hay Hay Festival. Yeah. Instead of saying. Oh, I don't think you definitely I, didn't do that. I said, that "Oh, for it this. was a good cake." Kids went away. It thinking, was a big oh. tough cake. <laughs> Kids went away thinking, um, "Yeah, I'm definitely going to use." You know, but the people that went, to, the kids you that know. went to those gigs, right, are now sort of eighteen, twenty years old, yeah, yeah. and they still walk around going, "Lick it, lick it." <laughs> so my work there was done. I mean, it was a long time. It's like ten years ago, isn't it, or something? Yeah. Yeah, and there, there, a couple of them were my friends' nieces, 
and they're still like Liggett. <laughs> yeah. Which is. Uh, what, at that festival? Do you yeah. remember that festival? Yeah, I got very hot. I mean, I didn't sleep at all. I drank yeah. all the rum. It was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Really good fun. That was just near Brighton, wasn't it? It's down there. Yeah, way. it was in. Um, I'm trying to think what. Oh, it was um, where they had the opera in, in Sussex. Blind ball. Yeah, it's down there that way. I think it was there on yeah. that ground. Oh, was it? I might have got that completely oh. wrong, but uh, I know it was near Brighton. So it was an exciting, exciting little thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now listen, we are two thirds of the way through, Ooh. and at this point in proceedings, we're supposed to do a big question, which you're the only person who hasn't told me the question, which you might not even know yourself. But okay. it is time for the big. Question. The question I've chosen from your list of amazing questions was, um, what animal would you be and why? What animal would you be and why? You answer it first. Oh God! So I, because I'm not prepared. So um, no, nor am I. What animal would I be? So I think we were in the kitchen when we were getting ourselves a cup of tea and a coffee. Um, I was talking about um, his dark materials, yes. and in that story, all the characters have their own demon, which, which I think is amazing. Which and is I, a, I want a demon, exactly. and I saw that on stage at six yeah. hours. But it was amazing on stage because they had all the puppeteers. Wow! Uh, lo- I wish, I hope they bring that back on stage because it was something else. Uh, everyone goes on about Warhorse being amazing. That was amazing. You imagine right. having a polar bear. <laughs> Fantastic. Anyway. Um, and what's and, and it's been on the BBC and I've been watching that with my kids who are seven and seeing that through their eyes and wondering what their spirit animal is. Um, and you can think, oh, you know, what would it grow into? I love, uh, and in that story, the, the, the spirit, the demon, so once they reach an age of maturity, gets fixed. So it can't change anymore. And when they're kids, it's always changing. And I'm, we're probably, because of what we do, our animal probably can change sometimes because we're still a bit childish in our <laughs> outlook here of how we how we're approaching the world right? yeah finances what what what, do, what is accountant <laughs> what so, but i what I is schedule think, i think what is itinerary yeah <laughs> what is budget i know not yeah, these exactly. words over budget <laughs> of course what <laughs> is payment <laughs> i know all of that but i think i think having having watched the birds in my garden i think i'd probably like to have a robin as my as my demon as my uh, i think they're quite uh aggressive and protective mm. of things which would probably be that immature side of like, i'll grow up stop being you know, stop acting like a kid, but they're also, you know, quite brave and social animals. So we, if I dig up the garden, they will come down and land on my um, fork that okay. I'm digging with. And and you can actually almost feed them uh, feed them worms in your hands because they're, you know... Yeah, they're, they're amazing, like... Robins. We've got a lot... We've got Robins in our garden. They're real bullies. They're really territorial. Bullies, yeah. They're really I, courageous. I've probably got a little bit of that in me. They're quite cheeky like you are. Yeah. Yeah. I probably have got that. And, I, you know, is there another animal that I could... I, I don't think... I don't think I'd be anything that big. And I wouldn't <laughs> really be a dog or a cat. I, I Yeah. So probably, uh, um, you know, probably a robin. I feel like they've got a bit of... They, they seem quite wise, robins. Mm. They seem to know what's going on. Mm. They seem to look at you and go, look, 
I know the answer to this. I've already seen it, yeah. so don't worry about it. You know, it's a difficult thing to answer, isn't it? Because there's what you perceive yourself as. It's, yeah, a, it's yeah. a bit like the Johari window. It's what you perceive yourself as, what others perceive you as, what you want to be perceived as, and what you're actually seen as. Yeah. You know. So I think that um, I'm, I'm probably something really grand, like <laughs> a I, lion. No, but I've like big yeah, lion yeah, hair. Yeah, you know, yeah, my yeah. big lion mane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like a female lion, but with a mane. See, female lions don't have the mane, do they? So already that's kind of quite, you know, it's like a female lion, but with a massive mane. Yeah, yeah. But then I also kind of think that it would be like a flying horse, but not a unicorn, but like right. a flying horse eagle thing. Yeah, so um, not the one that hasn't got the What's horn? the one that Ray raises from the ashes called again? That's a phoenix. Yeah, I think I'd be like a phoenix well, kind good. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of quite me. But then so, but then I'm quite... Watery. I'm a crab. I'm a cancer. Well, I don't know. I know. So I, I quite fancy being. So what I would see myself like probably an octopus. Yeah. I kind of. Well, I kind of cool like. I'd to like be. to be an octopus. But actually, people probably perceive me as like a jellyfish or something. Well, people. <laughs> people actually. I like to think they think I'm a lion. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure they perceive me as one of those really hairy Shetland ponies with the really massive fringes. Oh, that's quite. You nice know, the really well, hairy horses. Now, do you know what though? But it's in those moments. Uh, <laughs> I, w- I remember Freddie Mercury saying something that, you know, sometimes he's so strong and powerful, like when he's commanding 250,000 people in a stadium. Yeah. And he, he says, sometimes if you get me in the right moment, I'm so strong. And then other moments, I'm so, you know, tiny and weak. You know. So yeah. you, you're never always that magnificent. That's why I think the, the demon thing where, you're, where it changes from yeah. shape to shape, however you feel. It's probably right, really, because I, I think you are a lion on some yeah, occasions. Yeah, I think it would be something like a wild cat of some sort. Right, yeah, yeah, something like that. Mm. Not not nearly as classy as a black panther, but something think, kind no, of a I bit... I think you probably have got that. Do you, you think know, so? I think you have got that. Oh, man, thanks. De- definitely the lion thing. Something think, wild catty, I think. Yeah. I feel quite feline. But I don't think... I'm definitely not one of the, a lynx or a smaller cat. No. I think it's definitely a bigger cat. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think you've got that in you. I think when I'm about... When I'm about 60 and I've got massive grey hair. Yeah. And it's all like, whoa. A silver lion. And like, I'd be like a silver lion when I'm old, I mm. reckon. I, I kind of, yeah. I think I'm a working, I'm working towards it. Like a lion with wings, probably. There probably is a <laughs> mythical creature with a lion with wings. Yeah. From, the, from Greek or some, you know, there's, yeah, there's got to be that. a name for that, but yeah. yeah. You're a lion with wings. A lion I with like wings with a, with a pineapple for a friend. <laughs> Where did that come from? Because I'm fascinated. <laughs> the pineapples take nearly four years to grow. Right. And it's just an amazing thing, a pineapple. We, we're so, f- we're so, so flippant. What do you mean it grows, takes four years it to grow? It takes a so, long time right. for a pineapple to become a pineapple. And then when you cut it, what happens? It grows again? or? Well, I don't know. Can I... you plant a, pine- a whole pineapple and then it grows into a pineapple tree? tree. Maybe. Maybe. I just think that some of these things we take for granted, yeah. they take a long time to grow. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think about things like that a lot. I'm trying to be really careful. We're all trying to be careful. I'm trying to be really, really careful the things I buy in the supermarket. Yeah. How long it takes an avocado to grow and things like that. Yeah. You know, we really or should... ripen. Yeah, or ripen, <laughs> yeah. Like two seconds it was in your bag with banana. Yeah. So I think we should just be living on potatoes and apples I in think, England. I think... Come, come from down the road. I think, yeah, I think... Well, that's the thing, isn't it? What's sustainable? What, you know, what can we eat and drink that is around us? Yeah. My kids are much... You know, they're seven and are so aware of it already. It's in the school. They're being yeah, taught about that's it. that's so cool. And so... 
their idea of what plastic is and what food is is so different from what we were just like, oh, consume, consume, consume. You know, we didn't have any fast food stores where we lived until no. I was, I think my first fast food I had was when I was 14, a, a KFC, but it was called Kentucky Fried Chicken then, wasn't it? It was just like, okay, this is, this is food, let's eat this, yeah. you know. And then... I remember so us we, being mindful about littering. I remember yeah, adverts like that on yeah, TV. Yeah, that was always been... But definitely, we've got a litter picking squad on our neighbourhood, which is amazing. Wow. So our, all our streets are really clean. And it's just... When you go somewhere that, that hasn't got that, you realise that people just... As soon as they see litter, they're like, oh, this is really litter. I'll drop yeah. it as well. And But, my, yeah, our kids are really... It's amazing that they're so far ahead of us in the way that they're thinking already. I have so much hope and so much faith and so much, uh, yeah, in, in the next generation. I really, really do. I think it's going to be a really powerful time. I don't have children, but I, mm. I do think, I, I know that as a kid, I was very hopeful and very full of faith and my fears and concerns were poo-pooed down and seen yeah. as not valid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I remember for my GCSE art, for example, I'm not very good at art or drawing, yeah. but spending... What do you mean you're week... not very good at art? I'm not Says very good person. at drawing. Oh, drawing. Yeah. Okay, no, I yeah. can't... But where does that... Yeah, go yeah, on. Yeah, you go know, finish, anyway, so yeah. I did this massive, great big mural, massive, huge, great big thing of mm. a nuclear bomb mm. and Thatcher and Reagan and... and, and and it's like in this in this in the mushroom cloud, and it took me weeks. I remember and like really shading with charcoal, and I'm not. It wasn't very good, but um, I remember my art teacher coming up, up to me and saying, "Oh, why why have you done this? Is this what you fear?" And and I remember being that age. And it was all about the ozone layer, and it was all about um, obviously really heavily influenced by Prince, Sign mm. of the Times. Mm. If the bomb falls and the night mm. falls, will anybody see the dawn? And and all of this, and I was very sort of and I wore a little CND badge on my cap and I was very kind of aware of war and bombs and anti-nuclear war and anti and, and afraid for the future of the planet but those things were seen as being a bit hippie and then it was kind of oh why don't you go and you know knit yourself a muesli hat and and you know yeah, it, yeah, and it yeah, was yeah. being vegetarian was wildly weird yeah, yeah. Um, but now when I, I, I sort of look back at my sort of 15 year old self and I she was right. She was completely right yeah, to yeah. be angry and to feel silenced and to be, you know, my, my, I remember my first time I ever tried to do a protest. I was probably about 15 or 16. And I, it was just me and my friend Emily standing in the Hastings Town Centre yeah, yeah. at like midnight. There was some yeah, yeah. there was some deadline like at midnight we were going to <clears> war, <throat> possibly with the Iraq. I, I'm sorry, right. I can't remember. Yeah. But I remember standing, the, de- the bombs were going to go at midnight and so we stood there at midnight with placards mm. um, just the two of us and we were circled by police in Hastings Town Centre and it was only two of us just walking yeah, in a circle yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but so I, I think if if I was 15 now I I would have adored Greta Thunberg and I would yeah, have adored yeah, yeah. I would have totally been doing the um, climate strike for Fridays and Friday strike and, and it's totally, amazing that is it's absolutely brilliant and so I owe it to my my teenage self and to the teenagers now and the teenagers of the future to support that and, and help that I, and I walked amplify into, that yeah I walked into a climate strike by the kids one day I was in London I don't know what I was I had a meeting and I came out and they I didn't know what's happened they just marched around the corner and the guy that was leading them it was like 16 or 17. I was just like, that is amazing. It's beautiful. And they man. were all like, yeah. he was had his whistle and they were all chanting. And I thought, oh man, that is pretty incredible that yeah. you've organised all that and someone's leading it into the centre of London. Yeah. Um, yeah, fantastic. I mean, 
it's not our future it's theirs I yeah. mean we, we yeah it's it's important um I'm really excited and I've got a lot of faith and a lot of hope in 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 tomorrow I think that's a, a revolutionary act is to have faith and hope they want everyone to feel like everything's hopeless yeah, yeah. So if you feel like there's no tomorrow then you won't bother you yeah. know if you feel like it's not worth it and all oh, my voice doesn't matter yeah, my yeah. vote doesn't matter then that's how you know the, the bad things will escalate and get yeah. worse and creating anything you know that person who's sitting in their bedroom creating a song yes. you know, they, they think oh no one's going to listen to it yeah they will do yeah there, if there's a way when you keep doing it over yeah. writing a poem well that's uh, the, that's the thing I've just, I've, I was just writing about this um, that actually to sit down and write a book or make a book is a revolutionary act, is a mm. political act. What you're saying is it's more than shiny baubles and yeah. prizes and book sales. What you're saying is you can visualise a future where libraries still stand and bookshops yeah. still stand, where people still want to read. If you're taking time a year or whatever to write a book, you're saying I am investing in visualisation of a better world, of mm. a better tomorrow. You're writing a better tomorrow. Mm. And that's why uh, creatives and artists are so valuable because those hopes and that push and that courage and that belief in a, in a, in a, you know, in a world where libraries still exist mm. and books and reading is still a thing we do as opposed to the dystopia and the apocalypse that we're fed by you know, books like, you know, Handmaid's Tale and things like that where mm. books are burnt mm. or Orwell or whatever. So to visualise a world where books still <laughs> happen is, is, is amazing. Yeah. You know, that's, that in itself is positivity and hope. And it's, and, and, and it's, like, it's not about uh, um, the, the competitions or the people winning stuff. Or, no. There's people doing amazing things that are never going to be recognised, maybe in this lifetime. But they just, if, when you look you look at it, you go, wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And they can just be liked by one person. And yes. that's kind of enough for them to go, well, I can carry on. I've got to keep doing this. Yeah. Uh, it's really important just to everyone to look as an audience and go, oh, well, what do I really like? And find it. Find, go and find that person who's doing that. Because it doesn't have to be those authors that are winning the awards. I don't, or, I don't like um, reading a thing that everyone else is reading. Is that bad? Like, my idea of hell would be to sit on the tube, get my special book that I'm loving out, well, out of my bag, go, yeah. and then I look across the carriage and everyone's reading the same book. That would make me really sad. It would be like, oh, no, I've fallen into a hole where I'm just being led by the nose and reading what everyone else is reading. I really like to feel like I'm discovering an artist or a musician. For yourself, or aren't you? Or being introduced yeah, yeah. It by, as like a little secret, like, yeah. oh, look at this. Because yeah. like, that's, for me, music, and that's where it all came from. It's like people go... Or listen, and it wasn't on the radio. Mm. It where did you have to go and listen to this stuff? So it was yeah. either in a record shop with the guy behind the record shop going, "Yeah, this is some really good stuff," and yeah. you're like, "Oh yeah, this is," and you're not going to find it anywhere. It's not going to be played in the top forty. It's not going to appear in the Times, you know, literary supplement. Yes. It's going to be yeah. it's somewhere else. Yeah. And where do you find those things? You have to go and search for them yeah. a lot of the time. Well, I think often if you if the if you go to people that you love. So, you know, for example, if you, you know, for example, um, say you say you really love the work of Daniel Cockrell, mm. then you find he's out amazing. he's, he's an amazing poet, <laughs> very beautiful poet, very tender work, <laughs> tender and, and sensitive, brilliant books. 
But then if you ask Daniel Cockrell what he's reading, yeah. and then find out what, what what those authors were reading, then you find yourself, every book should lead to another book, every writer to another writer, every poet to another poet. That's the beauty. And I think it does, of, in a of, way. Of once you past, get on a li- Once you find something that you love, mm-hmm. and sometimes it takes a long time, especially when you get older, you're like, oh, and you, you're, and you, if you're reading these best-selling novels mm. that just don't give you anything, a bit soulless, when you've actually discover something new that someone's let you know told you about suddenly that leads you on a, a chain of you know oh they were influenced by this I'll go over there they will listen so suddenly you get on this lovely little chain again then you can start reading for another two years yeah and, you know you don't come to a stop until you've exhausted yeah or you know the paper trowel that it's left so yeah totally <laughs> I, that's what yeah that's what I really love about reading Reading the book that led to the book that led to the, the writer, yeah, yeah. That led to the uh, led to what you're doing, um, Selena. That is the end of our chat. Unfortunately, it's been oh, absolutely amazing. I really liked it in your shed. It's lovely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for coming along. I know uh, people can check you out online to find out exactly what you're doing. Is there anything you want to uh, put up that's going to happen in the next month that you might be doing live or anything, or you want to keep everything I'm, absolutely lovely and quiet? And I'm, they not, can I'm find having you. a nice quiet time at the moment. Yeah. Um, which is really I'm working on some new secret things, so I can't really tell you about any of those really. Yeah. Um, I'm not doing many gigs either. I'm sort of taking a little break from that. Um, so just keep an eye on Waiting for Godden, my website, yeah. uh, selenagodden.co.uk. And Find you on all the social media. Yeah. And uh, you're recharging your energies and we can't wait to see. Yeah, we've got what, some cool stuff what, coming up, but brilliant. I can't tell you nothing. Exciting. Okay, um, <laughs> thanks so much for listening and we'll see you again next time. Take care. Thank you. Poet Waffle was written and presented by Daniel Cockrell, original concept by Jack White, music and audio production by Julian Ward, artwork by Damien Wayhill, and technical support from Laurie Eaves.